Hello, and welcome to More is Afraid of the Dark, but not really the podcast. The podcast where I discuss the television show, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Tonight's episode is from Season 2. As told by Kirsten, it is the the tale of Locker 22. Hello listeners, tonight we are in for a treat. Um, it's a Kristen story, so don't think it's that much of a treat. I guess if you were going to think of candies and I told you we were getting a treat, you might think we were going to get a Snickers or a Butterfingers or a Kit Kat. But this is Kristen, so you have to realize it's probably going to be Junior Mints. The episode starts with Betty Ann, David, Frank, and Kiki trying to guess what type of character Kristen is going to be playing tonight. Remember, the last couple times we had a Kristen story, she also dressed up. Once as a dead prom queen, once as a dead equestrian enthusiast. What will she be tonight? Nobody knows. Betty Ann guesses that Kristen will be telling them a story about an axe murder with blood dripping from her grisly weapon, which is wrong. David says, a mummy wrapped in rotten bandages. That is also wrong. However, I would like to see how Kristen could pull that off. Who knows? Maybe she would make a great dead mummy. Frank guesses a razor-sharp hook where her hand should be. Still wrong. And I guess he was going for a female Captain Hook, possibly? Let's see if Kiki can get it right. She guesses a zombie with shrunken in eyes and all stuff like that. So basically a zombie is what she was trying to describe. Well, she is the closest, but nope, she is still wrong. Also, why are they guessing all of these gory things? Kristen has never told a gory story, at least not on stream, um, screen. In fact, based on their guesses, I would be inclined to think Betty Ann or Frank were up tonight. This is an example of continuity errors in the show. You can't bring up past stories that viewers know nothing about, or have heard no mention of. Gary walks in and says, I guess Kristen's up tonight, which still makes me wonder if Gary hasn't made the calendar of rotation of who is going and uh, what day they're going on, lacking on his job as president of the Midnight Society yet again. Just as Gary is about to get out his big old Blackberry to write in his calendar, Kristen shows up. A little late yet again. Remember, she was late in a previous episode, and it was actually an episode she was telling a story in, so she wasn't there during the gathering of the firewood or building the fire, and they were kind of mad at her then, and I honestly thought they were going to kick her out on the spot, but they didn't. But she came nonetheless. And yes, she did come dressed up. Tonight's story is about a hippie. A dead hippie. That is right. Kristen is telling us a story about a hippie. Betty Ann asks her where she found her outfit. And Kristen says in her attic. See, Betty Ann, nothing scary up in the attic, but old clothes from the 60s. Kristen hypothesizes that her parents must have been hippies. Kristen passes out some props. She gives David a pair of glasses and Kiki a necklace. 
And I think Betty Ann got some chunky earrings as there is a shot of her with earrings and she didn't appear to have them on beforehand. Gary's a little impatient in this episode and he's not swayed by Kristen's theatrics tonight and asked her if what she is talking about has anything to do with her story. Gary must be in a hurry to go somewhere, maybe a date, but I kind of doubt that because Sam doesn't appear until season three. Kristen says it does and in her story, if you don't learn from the past, you can repeat the past and meet your doom. Kristen submits her story as the tale of Locker 22. Now, based on the title, you might think um, this has to do with high school, and it kind of does, so you're not wrong right there. But the whole tagline that Kristen says that if you don't learn from the past, you can repeat the past and meet your doom, that almost makes it sound like if you don't study for a test, you're just bound to fail and fail again. That is not what this story is about. But I will tell you right now the summary of the story. We are introduced to one of our main characters, Julie Dufault, a transfer student from Paris, France. However, her accent continues to go in and out throughout the episode. So she kind of sounds French, but she also kind of sounds like Celine Dion from French Canada. She also looks like she's two years too old to be in high school, but that's beside the point. She's having a hard time fitting into Canadian culture and slips in and out of French, as I've mentioned. She is with Mr. Schaffner, who shows her her locker, which is, wait for it, locker number 22. Roll credits. Nah, I'm just joking. Well, I mean, she does get locker 22, but that's not the end of the episode. That would have been really short. Julie tells Mr. Schaffner that the locker is far from everything and that hot-headed Schaffner because he's a hothead and we'll find out in a little while why he is, yells at her that she shouldn't be complaining and he doesn't have time to listen to a student who has been at the school for all of five minutes. You know he's gonna win Educator of the Year just by that short clip of him. And to be fair, Locker 22 isn't in an ideal area. It looks like it's in an isolated hallway that possibly used to be a janitor's closet, but they needed more space and more lockers, so they decided to knock a wall down and they were like, hey, we can shove six lockers in here. Okay, let's do that. And the character of Mr. Schaffner is very unlikable for multiple reasons, but he becomes even more unlikable as the episode progresses. He's someone who should either have a Snickers or pick a different career. Anyways, after the locker, we are taken to chemistry class, taught by a very lackluster Walter White. For those of you who aren't familiar with the character of Walter White, he was on the TV show Breaking Bad. He started as a chemistry teacher, and when he found out he had cancer, he decided to start producing and distributing methamphetamines with a former student. Thus is why this character reminds me of a lackluster Walter White. Anyways, getting back to the episode, the chemistry teacher is in the middle of a demonstration. He is showing the students that they should suck some liquid up into a glass straw, and he tells them to put their fingers on the top of it so the liquid doesn't run out. I think they might be learning how to make meth. Julie sucks the liquid up like she is drinking a Coke and proceeds to break the glass beaker onto the ground, much to the annoyance of the chemistry teacher. Class ends and she is harassed by two rejects from the Brat Pack, Fritz and Donnie. They kind of harass her as she's trying to pick up the glass from the floor, but she's saved by a kid named Chris. Chris asks her if she is new at the school. Uh, no, Chris, she isn't new. She just had mono for the past several months. 
and helps her sweep up the glass. Although I have to say he's not that great at sweeping because he doesn't know how to use a dustpan. He offers to walk her to her next class. I think Chris might have a crush. As they are leaving, a hippie stares at Julie, slightly startling her. That would startle me too if a hippie stared at me. After her next class, it's lunch. Julie is harassed further by Fritz and Donnie, who start a food fight. Mr. Schaffner comes and breaks up the food fight. He yells at Julie again and blames her for the food fight and then yells at the rest of the students for looking at him. The hippie starts to stalk Julie, and then Julie realizes that the hippie is a ghost when she fades away next to her locker. Julie confides in Chris about seeing a ghost. Chris tells another student, which leads Julie to be harassed at home. Um, not by her parents, but like by students just randomly calling her and being like, ooh, I'm a ghost. It's pretty lame, to be honest. The harassment at home and all the prank calls makes Julie get pissed at Chris and yells at him the next day. She tells Chris that everybody thinks she is the crazy foreign kid. Julie gets harassed yet again by Fritz and Donnie, with one of them knocking a necklace out of her locker. A time-traveling necklace, that is. The time-traveling necklace takes her back to 1965. Now, you might be wondering why it's so specific. Well, apparently, in 1965, they were obsessed with the Beatles' White Album. And Julie, who, when she takes on the necklace and is transported into 1965... Um, runs into a girl who starts calling her Candy, or Moondance, as her hippie name was. The A youngest Mr. Schaffner tells Julie that he is waiting and calls her Miss Warren. She discovers that when she puts on the necklace, she becomes Candy Warren and is transported to 1965. She is also invited to a Beatles White Album party. I don't know if that was actually a thing in the 60s, but um, whenever Julie would go back into 1965, I swear to you, every other thing out of the people's mouths was Beatles White Album party. So take that as it is. After taking off the necklace, Julie is sent back to present day and after doing some soul-searching, she cools down and decides she isn't mad at Chris anymore and goes to find him to talk to him. She asks Chris why he told someone about her ghost sighting. He mentions that he knew a person who also saw a ghost. She demonstrates the power of the necklace by taking Chris back to 1965, where Candy's friend thinks Chris is hot and exotic and promptly invites him to her you guessed it, Beatles White Album listening party. They run into Mr. Schaffner, who is kind of racist towards Chris, and tells him to learn some manners. Well, kicking it in 1965, we learn that Mr. Schaffner was a chemistry teacher and is hunting down Julie, who is Candy, to finish her project and that he will stay late after school to help her finish it. Chris and Julie go off to the library to find out who Candy Warren is, and they find out she died in 1965. Julie goes back in time, and Chris finds a teacher who knew Candy and asks how she died. Chris assumes she was sick, but the teacher tells him that Candy died in a freak chemistry lab accident, and when asked who the teacher was, he finds out it was Mr. Schaffner. Surprise, surprise. This news startles Chris, and he runs back into the school and sees Candy. And he tells Candy that Julie is in trouble, and he must save her from the same fate. Candy, who has been mute this whole time, agrees, and she absorbs Chris into her body. 
so Chris can go back in time and save Julie slash Candy. Chris runs through the halls only to be stopped by Mr. Schaffner. Chris makes it into the lab just in the nick of time to stop Julie from lighting the burner. The reason the explosion happened was due to the erosion on the gas cable cord. Chris turns off the gas and yells at Mr. Schaffner for not checking his equipment. When Chris saves Julie, he ends up also saving Candy. And we get like a little clip of Candy sitting there and uh, Mr. Schaffner says, thank goodness you stopped her. And then uh, Candy says, if you hadn't, I don't know what would have happened. Well, something to that extent. Basically, she knew she was going to die. And you might think the episode ends there, but it doesn't. Chris and Julie are then transported back to 1993, where they embrace in a hug and are happy that they now know what happened to Candy. They are then greeted by a new assistant principal who just happens to be Candy Warren. She's escorting Fritz and Donnie to her office and she makes a comment about how her locker used to be locker 22 and then we see like a faded out hippie peace poster in the locker and the name underneath it says Candy and we kind of put two and two together and we're like oh okay that makes sense now why she haunted Julie. It was her old locker. So not only did Julie and Chris save Candy Warren they stopped Mr. Schaffner from ever becoming assistant principal. So it's a win-win situation for everyone. Then Kristen ends her story. Gary says, far out. Kiki says, solid. David says, psychedelic. And Frank says, neato. Frank is kind of a square when it comes to 60s catchphrases. Betty Ann laughs at him, and she doesn't join the 60s catchphrase game. She is too smart for that. They all give back the stuff Kristen let them use and tell her it was a great story. Thus, the circle of lies continue. This is also one of those odd episodes where the fire isn't put out and Gary doesn't even declare the meeting over. I think Gary is slipping up in his role as president. come to my favorite part of the podcast and the my favorite part of the blog my thoughts my feelings how i felt about this episode well my first thought is i'm not sure why they came up with such gory ideas for what kristen's story would be about she's never told any gory stories on camera at least we don't know anything of any goriness with her that's something i would have associated with betty ann and i've only seen betty ann dress up one time for one of her tales a tale that we will get to later in this season. My second thought is that this episode in particular, and a couple episodes from season one, really make me want an origin story for the first generation of the Midnight Society, since they keep making references to the past that we have no knowledge about. As a loyal viewer, I felt that this is somewhat lost in translation and doesn't play well with the continuity of the series because they're making these references. And even if you've watched from season one, episode one, you wouldn't have any idea what they're referring to because it just never came up on screen or they never told a story a certain way to make you think, oh, this is totally this person's story. My third thought was, 
Overall, this is a good story, but I think it would have been more interesting if it was told from Chris's point of view and if the storyteller was either Kiki or Betty Ann. While it isn't scary, it was definitely interesting with the whole concept of time traveling and um, how they changed the past and it affected the present, which really does play into the tagline Kristen used for her story. Because remember, she said, if you don't learn from the past, you can repeat the past and meet your doom. And that is why Candy decided to haunt Julie, because Julie was doomed to repeat Candy's past, but Candy didn't realize that Chris would be involved and save them both. So I think that was a good tagline for this story, because it actually happened. This was definitely one of the stories in the first incarnation of Are You Afraid of the Dark that wasn't necessarily scary, but more of a light thriller, if you will. Um, there are other episodes that aren't scary and borderline on comedic in a way, but I know to some people, in your face, laughter can be frightening. So that's a different element of being scared. And my fourth thought, which I've brought up a couple times already, is that this episode brings up continuity errors within the Midnight Society, since we have no idea about the past. All we know about is from the first season continuing into this season. And each season, um, everything seems to change just a little bit. You know, the first season we had Eric. This season they dropped him. Thank God I did not like that character. But then in season three... We're going to say goodbye to um, Kristen and David. And at least we're told by Gary that Kristen and David's families decided to move. And we gain Tucker and Samantha. And then in season four, we say goodbye to Frank and hello to Stig. And that's kind of the last incarnation of the Midnight Society for the first series. Anyways, listeners, those were my four thoughts for the episode. I don't normally give episodes like a 5 out of 5 stars or a 10 out of 10 stars because I don't normally do a rating, but I thought that maybe I should start doing it just to let you know my actual thoughts about the episode because there are going to be episodes that I don't like. This one to me was mediocre. It had potential, but it didn't quite hit it for me. So I would say that this is, for me, about 4.5 out of 10 stars. So now that the story is all over, Let's all give Kristen a round of applause for this story about a formerly dead hippie named Candy with her story, The Tale of Locker 22. Now, listeners, I would normally go in season order and our next podcast would be The Tale of the 13th Floor by my future best friend, Betty Ann. But I'm kind of thinking of switching gears because Nickelodeon just finished airing last month in March the newest um, Are You Afraid of the Dark? And I really enjoyed it. So I'm thinking that instead of doing The Tale of the 13th Floor, I'll start a six-part series on the last episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark, which was Are You Afraid of the Dark? Curse of the Shadows. Um, If you have not watched it, I highly recommend watching it. Out of the two newer versions of Are You Afraid of the Dark? This one is probably my favorite. And I also did enjoy Carnival of Doom. But this episode had so many throwbacks to the original series. It just made my day. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I hope that you guys get a chance to watch it because I think you would enjoy it. And as a little 
sneak peek, if you will, not only does it bring back all the mystery and darkness of the first series of Are You Afraid of the Dark, we get to go inside of Sardo's Magic Mansion. That's right, they brought back Sardo. No Mr. Accent on the Doe's Magic Mansion. And I realize I never posted any blogs about the series on my blog website. So while I would like to start with the six-part series, it'll be quite labor-intensive for me on my end, as I have to go back and watch every single episode to write a summary of, and then from that write the blog post, and then from that translate it into a script for the podcast. So while I would like to start it, I think realistically speaking, I won't actually start it until probably May, which means the next episode will probably be The Tale of the Thirteenth Floor. But I just wanted to put it out there that I am going to do that, and I'll probably do it before I finish season two. So I hope that you'll come with me on the journey, and I hope that you will have either watched it or watch along as I'm blogging slash podcasting about it. Anyways, listeners, it's now time that the podcast comes to an end. For this episode, anyways. So I will sign out how I normally do. Until next time, submit it for the approval of the Midnight Society. I call this story, The Tale of More is Afraid of the Dark, but not really the podcast, podcast number two of season two, over. Good night. Make sure to put out your own fires. (laughs) 